Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Ken Wyrock, Matthew Betts, and Matt Okada. Welcome back to the March Madness edition of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Kent Wyrock, joined once again, well, this time just by Matt Okada. Uh, Bets can't be with us today, so me and Okada are going to break down the rest of the free agent signings. Um, but before we do that, how's your bracket doing? Is it busted already? Do you do uh, you know what? the bracket every year? I just pulled it up because I heard that wonderful music. Uh, interlaced with cleats or in a cleats. Yeah, clearly I'm a football guy. <laughs> uh, sneakers on the on the floor. I like that. It was very immersive. Yeah, but I just pulled up my bracket, and since I looked like an hour ago, it's it's gone uh, not in a great direction. It's uh, let's see. I think the only one I've missed so far was Murray State beating Marquette. But oh, alas, that one I got. Did you? Yeah, I had Murray there for a minute. But anyway. We are not a ba- uh, fantasy basketball show, nor are we a March Madness show, but I figured it'd be nice to kind of talk about that real quick, get in the spirit of things. Uh, but there is some madness going on. We still have, you know, since the last episode we recorded last week, there's been more signings. We have some more guys to talk about that we didn't have time to get to uh, on the previous episode. So we can go ahead and break that stuff down today, Okada and myself. But before we do that, there is some news to talk about. So let's jump into that. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Up first in the news category, Ryan Tannehill has been traded to the Tennessee Titans. And he will be the backup quarterback for Marcus Mariota over in Tennessee. The overall trade was Ryan Tannehill and a 2019 Six-rounder traded to the Titans for their 2024th rounder and 2019 seventh rounder. Okada, what are your thoughts on this trade? Uh, I think this is one that actually made sense for both teams kind of in a strange way, which we haven't seen much of lately. The Dolphins seem to be going full tank mode, uh, and the Titans have a quarterback who... I don't I just don't know. I do not know what to think of Mariota moving forward. He's injury prone. He's not even shown that well when he is healthy. So having who I guess would probably not be the best backup in the league in Tannehill kind of makes sense, I think, for them. Yeah, and you know, a lot of people have been talking about uh Matt LaFleur leaving Tennessee Titans, going to the Green Bay Packers. There's been a lot of topics about him this offseason. I've and I've seen a lot of negativity kind of surrounding his coaching styles and methods and game plan. So maybe with him gone, Marcus Mariota has an opportunity to kind of bloom. He he had one really good, like really efficient season. I think it was his second or third year. And um, since then, it has not been very great. So they've been going through some changes in Tennessee. This could be one more change that I think actually benefits him. But like you said, Ryan Tannehill, uh, I think he's a backup quarterback in this league. Honestly, just the way he is, he's not... He's not flashy enough. He's not good enough at one thing. He's like overall pretty decent, but 
He's just not flashy in any one category uh, for any team to try and exploit that skill. So I agree with you. I think it kind of makes sense. The Dolphins got some value out of him, and uh, the Titans got a backup quarterback if Mariota isn't the real deal. So, yeah, I agree with you there. But really, there's not much more to be said about that trade, but I just want to get it out there uh, so everyone knew about it. Uh, Up next, Kareem Hunt was officially suspended eight games under the personal conduct policy by the NFL. He is again uh, now a member of the Browns. He signed, what was it, a one-year? It was cheap, just like a couple million yeah, a few even? million yeah I think yeah right. it was pretty cheap and he you know he he does forfeit that money and the browns i think are off the hook for that money as well so it's 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 less than some people guessed and it's more than others guessed it's kind of right in the middle i'd say uh what are your thoughts on the backfield in cleveland and and what his effect is on it yeah so i i definitely agree it's right in the middle of i guess the range of outcomes we were kind of projecting and for me it puts us right in the middle of what to project for fantasy and it's really hard I think this is a really hard number if it had been six which is kind of the lower end that people were guessing I think I would have valued Kareem Hunt quite a bit as like a strong handcuff late round upside pick for redraft this next year and if it had been something like 12 or more which is what some other people had thought then I would have loved Nick Chubb as a lock and load RB1 for this season. But eight is just right on this weird line that's hard for me to figure out because you're going to love having Chubb for eight games. That's a good chunk of the season. But those last, uh, I guess, six-ish, three, five to six-ish games of regular fantasy season that Hunt will be back are so important. And I don't know what that's going to do to Chubb's value. So this is this is going to be a really tough one to figure out kind of as we get closer to drafts. But I still think that Chubb is very valuable and that Hunt is a maybe last pick of your draft handcuff in redraft. Yeah, I, I still see Chubb as kind of the locked and loaded lead guy here, even when Hunt comes back. You know, they'll probably use Hunt because he's talented. Uh, but really, this is because uh, the GM in Cleveland, uh, Dorsey, he drafted Kareem Hunt, or at least he helped you know, take part in that. So I think this is kind of a mutual thing for Hunt and Dorsey to kind of help each other out a little bit. Uh, he can use him for the latter half of the season, and then Hunt can, after this year, go on and find another team, hopefully, if he you know, can keep his nose clean a little bit here. So I don't think he's going to step in and be the starter. I think that next year he probably will find a starting job. But this year he's backup third down type stuff when he does return. And I still like Chubb, and I think you're going to get him at a good discount in drafts this Okay, so I kind of want to dig into this a little bit because I feel like it's going to be one of the most important questions for fantasy for this year. Two things. Number one, I'm going to have to disagree with you pretty strongly on when he comes back. I think Kareem Hunt is too good to just be a third down back. And don't get me wrong, Nick Chubb is very, very good. But Kareem Hunt is so good that he's highly comparable to Nick Chubb, who is very, very good. So I don't. So again, I'm not quite sure how it's gonna shake out. But to get into that, let's. I'm gonna ask you a question. Yeah. Let's say that Chubb and Duke Johnson are splitting up touches. Let's say touches, carries and receptions, over those first eight weeks. Something like eighteen and eight, or eighteen and six. Do you think that's fair? Um. Yeah, I could maybe see it being a hair higher, but about fair. Yeah. Okay. So what does that distill to when Hunt comes back, do you think? Well, 
I'm glad you asked. I still think that Duke Johnson it is is trade bait. Uh, I would like to see him get traded. Mm. Um, I think that's a smart call. move for the Browns. And now that doesn't really answer your question, and I apologize, but I think that's probably the best move for the Browns, considering that they have Hunt on the team now, who can, you know, Duke is a very good slot receiver running back, uh, but Hunt can do that too. I think he's fully capable of filling that role. So that's probably the best move for them. If all three are there, I see Duke pretty much just on the back burner. Disappearing, sure. Yeah, uh, that's the best way I could put it. And and maybe I should have been more clear about how I saw his uh, Hunt's role when he returns. It's probably more towards the 55-45, Chubb being the 55. So pretty close, but still the second option uh, it would probably be my best guess. Yeah, all right. I think that's pretty fair. And, of course, I'm sure there's going to be way more news in in training camp and all that and we still got to see the draft for these guys so um things can change yet but that's where i'm at currently speaking of well being in trouble tyreek hill recently and i want to word this in a very specific way is being investigated in a possible child abuse case from my understanding and there's a lot of information and misinformation out there right now From my understanding, he was not even named on the most recent report, but rather a previous report from, uh, what was it, February? Is that right? Seems right. In in which his child's arm was broken. And so there's two separate reports, one of which was very recent, just in the last two weeks, and one was from February. I don't know if he is... uh, The one responsible for the actions against the child... I'm not going to be the person who sits here and says he did it again. He's a bad person. We know what he did before the draft. We know what his character is like. That's out there. But we do not have currently the facts in front of us to say that he's done something bad again. So I personally want to wait and get a little bit more information on this. Uh, I don't know what the league's going to do or anything yet. Uh, I just want to know more, and that's kind of my stance on it right now. And I don't know how you feel about it, but I just want to kind of say my piece there. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, it's a tough thing to, to get into or talk about from the standpoint of what he's being investigated for. So ideally, I'll just skirt that for the most part. But from a dynasty fantasy standpoint, which is what obviously we're here to really talk about, I, it sounds like for you, you're kind of a hold right now. Yeah, I mean, unless someone wants to buy him for his his full price and then, then sell, but um people won't be they're going to want to hear this news and buy at a discount so i would probably not be selling at that discount yeah i i think that's pretty fair i definitely don't think i i would really want to sell them at a discount especially a big one i would say that if you have tyree kill i would shop him just to see because if there's a guy or girl in your league who is pretty confident that he's not going to get any kind of severe punishment from the league I would be willing to sell him now in this period where it's kind of a bunch of question marks and we don't know what's going to happen. And one of the main reasons is kind of what you mentioned, which is he admitted to what happened before, before the draft. He came out and said, yes, this was, you know, I I confess to this. So we know that that actually happened. That puts a lot of skepticism and doubt in my mind for not only this scenario that we're talking about now, but just the future 
is something like this going to happen again? Is this a long-lasting character problem? So even if this exact situation doesn't necessarily pan out in a large suspension, and by the way, it can be very large because of league policy rules that have to do with if you didn't get punished for something before you got into the NFL, et cetera, et cetera, which is the case here. Um, but even if nothing comes down for this one, if I can sell him at a wide receiver, high end wide receiver one price, which obviously is what he would go for without any of this going on, because of the risk that I see intrinsic to Hill with this kind of issue, I might be willing to do it. Yeah. So uh, I think the bottom line here is there's still a lot of question marks. So I wouldn't be in any rush to make movements on him. If you have him, just kind of stick around and, and see what we hear. There's, good, there's probably going to be more information coming out. So. Let's stick around for that. Uh, up next, Jordy Nelson was officially released by the Raiders. His era as a Raider is done. Um, from my understanding, he's seen some interest around the league. I heard Seahawks he was visiting with. Uh, from my understanding, I, I think the the Packers would consider bringing him back probably for very cheap, you know, to get him back in the green and gold. But uh, that remains to be seen. Um what are your thoughts on Oakland, and was this the right choice for them to release Jordy, or did they need a veteran wide receiver there for one more year? Um, No, I think it was fine to kind of give him the bye-bye. Uh, they, I mean, they've got a veteran now in AB. There's a different kind of veteran, I guess you could say, in that I'm not sure how much maturity and wisdom he brings to the locker room, but, uh, but they also have... A guy in Tyrell Williams who's going to be a field stretcher. Now, Jordy Nelson really isn't that anymore. So it's tough to say really what he was. And maybe that's kind of the problem for the Raiders. It's like he didn't really necessarily fill a very great role for them. Um, quickly jumping on the Seahawks because I'm looking at the dock and noticing that there is one thing that I forgot that's not on here. Oh. Which is Doug Baldwin. Oh, yes. I don't oh, know yes. if you saw that. Yeah, news. I did. Um, yeah. I uh, actually saw I consider this to be something we wanted bets around for, but we could talk about it quick, yeah. and then we'll get his opinion on it next week. So go definitely, for it. Yeah, definitely we should get Betts' input. In fact, we might have to get him to tweet something about it because Baldwin basically came out, I forget, I think it was on a radio show or something like that. Uh, quotes have surfaced of him saying that he is going to need a couple more surgeries heading through this offseason. And last season, if you all remember, there was... Uh, he had a couple. There was a, a lot of up and down throughout the season of how, whether he could play or not, and whether he was 100% or not. He kind of played the whole season apparently at less than 100%. So that's kind of what these surgeries are for, to help maintain that or fix that, I suppose. Obviously, this is much more a Betts' alley. But if he is missing and or very, very limited, Jordy Nelson is potentially a kind of decent replacement for what Doug, Doug Baldwin does, I would think. So that might be interesting. I think he'd have some fantasy value if he went there. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. Doug Baldwin is 30 now, so we're looking at, you know, the Tyler Lockett takeover. And if you have an opportunity to go buy Tyler Lockett right now, I'd, I'd consider that to be a strong move as well. So Definitely. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sketch on Doug Baldwin. I didn't touch him at all last year. I had no desire to, like, trade for him. He was on waivers in some of my leagues, and I didn't touch him. Yeah, I'm just, I think I'm just done with him. I don't know. We maybe he can, you know, get healthy one more year, and then uh, next year try something. But this year, I don't think I am willing to deal with him at all. So, with that being said, let's go ahead and move back into the free agent frenzy. 
Oh my god! Okay, it's happening! Everybody stay calm! What's the Everybody procedure, calm. everyone? What's the procedure? Stay calm! Wait, 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 wait! Everybody just calm down! You know, I wasn't gonna play that again, but we've had actually more news come out since the last show. Just in the last week, like I said, there's gonna be more free agent signings uh, coming out. And I wanna start with probably, I don't know if it's the biggest one, but I think it was the most fun one for fantasy purposes. Ryan Fitzpatrick, the Fitz Magic, the beard himself, he lives on. He is going to the place where Ryan Tannehill left the Miami Dolphins. He signed a two year, $11 million contract. And I think that's a great spot for him and for the receivers there uh, for fantasy purposes. What what do you feel about this landing? Yeah, this is but probably by far one of the signings of the entire period that means so little for the real NFL because he's basically just a stop back stopgap guy until they tank away their season and draft another a new guy. Maybe even this year we'll see when they draft their quarterback, but they're still looking for one. But for fantasy, I think this is super fun. Fitzpatrick has gotten production out of wide receivers all over the place, almost everywhere he's went, which is a lot of places, by the way. I feel kind of sorry for the guy. He's just like his eighth or ninth team, all yeah. in these different cities. I don't know how he survives. Um, but, I, okay, so then what, what it boils down to is what receivers are actually going to benefit. And that's where it gets a lot more interesting because you've got Albert Wilson – who was had some pretty explosive plays last year, but I don't know how much upside he necessarily has. And then you have Kenny Stills, who's a been a deep threat guy who we've thought might break out a few different times, and he has some great games, but never puts it together really over the course of a season. And then you have Devontae Parker. And I tweeted something when Fitzpatrick got signed about shamefully getting excited about Devontae Parker. Again. Yes. Uh, yes. I am going to do it, man. I... You know, I, I'm I'm uh, I'm guilty. I'm I'm a Devontae Parker like breakout apologist. Like I I still think it's coming. I think he's talented. I don't think he's the most motivated player in the league, uh, and that's been kind of some of his problems. But um, in a Fitz Magic hail him downfield type offense, I think him and Kenny Stills could could be a nice set of fantasy receivers. Um, I don't expect Fitzpatrick, uh, Fitzpatrick to be throwing like he did when he was with the Buccaneers last year in that super vertical offense. You know, they had Evans and Godwin and, and Deshaun Jackson, and, and definitely these these guys in Miami are not that. But I think it's reasonable that Fitz could be throwing for like 300 yards a game as Miami loses uh, and enjoys their secret tanking um, when they make it look like they're still trying this whole season. I think they're going to be playing from behind a lot. Their defense – didn't really get better. I think it got worse. I'd have to go check again some of their their losses, but I don't think it's anything to write home about. And I think that it's going to be a lot of passing because they're going to have to play catch up. And you know what? Kenny Stills and uh, Devontae Parker, I think, are wonderful best ball candidates right now. Like seventh, eighth round, um, somewhere in that range, probably be high end, but. You could probably get them a little cheaper, but I think they'd be great because they'll have super spiky games. Yeah, definitely agree there. And as far okay, so just to quickly jump on to Devontae Parker, he has had some small stretches throughout his career of pretty solid production. When he gets used, actually, pretty much entirely when he gets used, he's been good. The problem has been that he has not really gotten used properly. And for a couple years, it's been Adam Gase with his... Adam Gaseness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
screwing over Devontae Parker and a number of other people. He's also dealt with a lot of injury uh, issues. One of the biggest things for me with with having some hope in Devontae Parker, who, in case anyone forgets, was the number 14 overall pick back in 2015. But one of the big things is the Dolphins signed him to a two-year deal this offseason, which, in my opinion, there was actually talk of them trying to trade him away when the Adam Gase era was coming to a close because Mm -hmm. you could just tell that Gase hated him so much. But with this new uh, coaching scheme coming in now with Brian Flores, it looks like that they think that they actually can and want to use him because they gave him a two-year deal, $10 million. I think I have high hopes, if not foolishly placed, but still high, that he can have a breakout season here in his, uh, what is this, fifth year. Yeah. So yeah. And, and he should be cheap to get in Dynasty as well as redraft. I think you could probably get him for like a late second round pick, early third round pick maybe even, because he's just been so disappointing for the people who had a lot of hopes in him. So if you can get him, depending on the price, I would be interested in doing it. I am fully on board with that take. Let's swing on over to Teddy Bridgewater. I, you know, I don't even know if we recently, uh, like, briefly discussed it. I think we did. Uh, it is now official. He returned to the Saints on a one-year, seven-point-two-five million-dollar deal. Uh, it looks like he wants the keys to the kingdom, the post-Breeze era Saints, and I think that's a he, smart decision. Yeah, he definitely does. I guess uh, the question is, when is Breeze going to retire? Yeah, For, well, I haven't uh, heard rumblings of it. From my understanding, he turned down a significant chunk of money from the Dolphins, uh, yep. lar- larger than this deal, uh, uh, larger than Fitzpatrick got, obviously. But right. it, he, uh, Teddy basically said, "No, if if you want me to be your starter now, you got to pay me like a starter." And so they said, "Nah, we're out." And so he returned to the Saints, like he probably wanted to. Uh, but as for Drew Brees, boy, I I think they make. Mm, he could probably go two, three years if you're stretching it. But I say if they make one more good run, like if they if they like win the Super Bowl, I could I could see Breeze just hanging it up right afterwards. Yeah, that's a really good call. So he's forty. He just turned forty in January, which normally would mean his career is completely over. What with people are doing these days, especially Tom Brady, I'm not so sure about that. Especially since Breeze has been really, really, really good still. Certainly efficient, if not, maybe his overall counting stats aren't quite as high. His deep ball maybe doesn't look quite as good, but his completion percentage has been incredible. His passer rating has been incredible, so he's still very effective. We know that. I think he could definitely go a couple more years, so I'm curious to see how long Bridgewater will stick around in this sort of rotating, re-upping the backup situation. Yeah, and so his current contract, by the way, is uh it it got from my understanding reworked at some point in time uh to Breeze, to, vo- yeah. to void out the 2020 season uh, I think they moved some cash back uh, into the beginning of the contract so from they could you know get rid of him no loss no dead cap nothing after this season and that's kind of important you know he does make a lot of money he's over 20 million dollar cap hit so uh, that's a sizable chunk of change it could be very influential into their kind of goals as a as a franchise following his his departure which you know like it or not will happen sometime in the near future so we'll see uh, I could see him signing one more one excuse me one more one year deal uh, on top of this one and 
uh, that would probably be his last hurrah. And to your point about the Saints, they've been inches from from at least making a Super Bowl two years in a row. Yeah. So they want it. Certainly, they're in the running. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Teddy, though, uh, back to him. I think he's a he's a good dynasty hold at the moment. You know, I think he's still going to be a starter. He's only I think twenty six years old. He's still very young, and uh, he could have a decent career in front of him. So I'd hold on tight if you got him in dynasty. Sounds good. Um, you know, I don't remember if we brought this up or not, but just to say it, Tyrod Taylor is on a two-year, $11 million contract for the Chargers. He'll be the backup to Phillip Rivers. And then Blake Bortles, this one was kind of surprising to me, actually. Uh, he got signed by the Rams of all teams. That just seems like the least likely landing spot to me. Uh, based on what McVay likes. So it was a one-year, $1 million deal, so clearly there's not a lot invested in him. Uh, I almost couldn't believe that number when I saw it. I thought it was a typo, but it seems to be accurate. Uh, is there any reason that, <laughs> like, what? I don't I don't even get it, personally. I mean, okay, so first of all, so sad for Blake Portals. Yeah. He gets replaced by a guy who gets four years, $88 million, and hasn't even Ooh. been that much better than him over the course of his career he just had a great Super Bowl run once and then he goes to the Rams and gets a million dollars to be backup here's what's going on here I can tell you very clearly Kent it's oh a great scheme the Rams bringing in Blake Bortles so that Sean McVay can coach him up touch him with his Sean McVayness. he has a couple good preseason games then in week 17 they sit the whole roster because I've already clinched a playoff Blake Bortles goes out there looks great and they trade him for like a second round pick Wow, that would be that'd be something. I don't know if I'd believe it. Uh, I'd have to see it to believe it, but uh, uh, that'd be something. So I don't know. I guess Blake Bortles is a Ram now, and uh, that's all I have on that. Let's move over to the running back position. There's a few guys we didn't really talk about last time, and we can bring them up real quick. Talk about a few remaining free agents as well. Up first, we brought up his name, but we didn't really talk about his role. Frank Gore. Uh, he's playing one more season with the Bills, one year, two million dollar contract. He will be there with Lashawn McCoy, and I, th- I think we br- we talked about how old that backfield is. What Very. what do you think the split is going to be like between Frank Gore and Lashawn McCoy? Because we thought he was done, like he wasn't going to do much last year, and then he he got like more rushing attempts than than um, uh, Drake did. Drake. Yeah, right. So, and I think that's been the case for a couple years now. We keep thinking that Gore is going somewhere to just be an old veteran backup, and then he comes out, looks great, actually, and produces and gets far more carries than we expected. So I'm just going to go with the same thing again. I think it's going to be Frank Gore sliding in and taking from LaShawn McCoy. Uh, I don't think that Gore will be the lead back as far as carries, but I think it's going to be so close to 50-50 that both of these guys are rarely useful. Sometimes one of them will get a touchdown and then you will have a nice day, but you're not going to know when or which. So he's he's kind of a fantasy value sucker at this point. Yeah, I don't see this being very good for either of these backs, and I'm not very interested at all if I can help it. Uh, I'll probably get to a pretty late round, like probably like the 10th round, and if I see LaShawn McCoy there, I'll take him, but... That would be it, and I don't even think he'd make it that far, to be honest. So I'm probably not going to have much Bills running backs on my teams this year, but 
We'll see what they do. Uh, maybe they've got more moves up their sleeves. You know, there's been talks of LaShawn McCoy trades in the past, um, but he's a bit old for that now, so I'm not sure. Also, we shouldn't gloss over the fact that they do have a very young, very talented runner that's not any of those two guys in Josh Allen. I was going to say, you're talking about a quarterback, um, and, but he is. He is the best running back on that team. <laughs> And I bought him in Pigs 2. I joined the Pigs 2 league, and uh, I bought mm. Josh Allen. So, there. Oh, man. I bought into him a little bit in fantasy. Not in the real NFL, but in fantasy. <laughs> um, all right, let's swing over and talk about Mike Davis. He uh, He's now a bear, and he signed a two-year, $6 million contract. So, you know, meet, middle of the pack-ish for running back contracts. You know, they're not making a lot these days, so... We are hearing a lot of news about Jordan Howard potentially being traded. Uh, they have Tariq Cohen. I think they're happy with Tariq right now in, in his role in that um, Nagy offense. I don't think they're happy with Jordan Howard, and I think Mike Davis is a little bit more up Nagy's alley than Jordan Howard is. Maybe not a lot, but I don't know. What are your thoughts? Do you think he has any noticeable involvement in this offense? Yeah, I, I actually do quite a bit um it's gonna be tough to figure out where we're gonna draft him because obviously he's never been a lead back the most attempts he's ever had in the season was last year which was 112 and he was kind of the second and a half the 2a maybe behind chris carson him and penny but he has shown very decent chops in the passing game including 34 receptions last year um he was more of a pass catcher than penny or carson was for the Seahawks. So that that to your point of kind of sliding into the Nagy system better, that really does matter. Um, he's basically a more versatile Jordan Howard. He's uh, still pretty decent size, 217 pounds. Uh, so he can bring some of that bruising uh, goal line skill that obviously Tariq Cohen doesn't have. But he, if you put him out there on first down, it's not a guarantee that it's going to be a run like it is with Jordan Howard. So I think that that's, uh, that's good for Nagy, good for the Bears, which is why they did it. And I think it's going to be decently good for fantasy. Um, it's Like I said, it's going to be tough to figure out where he goes in drafts. In my mind, it's probably going to be somewhere in the sixth to eighth round, probably. Hmm. Yeah, And I think he'll have some value there. And, you know, for what it's worth, the uh, the Chicago Bears have been meeting with a bunch of kind of middle-round running backs for the draft. We'll, we'll get into some draft stuff maybe a little bit later. Closer to the draft, after the draft, I'm sure we'll have some content there. But they, they're, they're looking at running backs, and I think that they're going to get one in one way or another, either signing a different one or trading Jordan Howard for one or drafting one. So there's still change coming. I, I, I think I agree with you that Mike Davis could be – useful if it's just him and Tariq Cohen problem is I'm not sure it will be at this point in time so we'll keep an eye on him and then real quick before we get out of the running backs let's talk about some remaining free agents TJ Yeldon Jay Ajayi Spencer Ware Marshawn Lynch Doug Martin and I guess Isaiah Crowell I kind of just threw him on there I'm I could see him getting signed somewhere which of these guys he got do cut, you, right yeah he got cut Crowell? by the Jets yeah, yeah. and um yeah, so I don't know. Which of these guys do you think could land somewhere and be an instant benefactor? Uh, so there's a couple 
there's a couple interesting notes here. One is the the one place we kind of have news out of this group is that Jay Ajayi is visiting with the Colts. Oh, I didn't see that one. Okay. Yeah. So, and they have a lot of money still left to spend, despite the fact that they finally spent some of it today on Justin Houston. Um, but that would that would kind of make sense for them. They have Marlon Mack, obviously, and they drafted a couple guys, but they don't really know that they have something. And JHIE would not be in any sense knowing that they have somebody. But the more guys you bring in that have potential, the better chance that you have, I guess, of hitting on someone. And if JHI can get his knees to function properly, <laughs> he has shown to be a very good running back. So that that could be interesting for him and the Colts. It certainly would not be good for Marlon Mack, who I love. Yeah. So I hope that too. doesn't happen. Yeah, me too. You know, we're okay. So I guess I'll bring it up. We're we're gonna save our our uh, free agency winners and losers for next episode when bets come comes back as well. Uh, but I really wanted to play this. <laughs> Oh my god, I was getting so excited for him and uh-huh. you know, I the the Colts made it out of free agency with just a boatload of cash and no running backs coming in and I I was so shocked at that. Um but you know, they could still draft one although it's not a great running back class, but yeah, um I I could see one of these guys ending up in Indianapolis before the season comes around and I would not be shocked if it's Jay Ajayi or frankly any of these other guys. I think Spencer Ware would be a good fit there too. Um yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I would agree with that. And then the one other one that I would want to hit on, I may have mentioned it heading into free agency, but TJ Yeldon is a guy I'm really interested to see where he goes. I think that he has a lot of potential that has been highly untapped so far in his career. He's very versatile, um, certainly is a good pass catcher. So if he can go somewhere even where he just has a more used third down role, even that would have some value in fantasy. I would like to see him go to the Eagles. I potentially might even want to see him go to the Eagles and see them draft Josh Jacobs in the first round uh, out of Alabama, who's kind of the highest rated by most people running back, uh, or at least from the NFL draft standpoint. But if he goes somewhere where he has a a decent role, whether that's third down, locked in, or maybe even like a 1B, I would really like to, to buy into that. Uh, so I would be interested in... in grabbing him in dynasty and seeing where he goes yeah that's interesting i think um i'm trying to think of other spots where he might be able to land and kind of have an influence and i think uh i think that like the steelers you know i don't know if they're ready to rely on Jalen samuels as the secondary but they might be he could end up with the vikings i think with latavius murray leaving we could still be in need of one, although mm. we have almost no cap space. And that's actually the reason I didn't mention them. A third option was the Buccaneers, who have even less cap space right now. So it, it's kind of a catch-22 there, and we'll, I think that some team could use a pass catcher like TJ Yeldon. I think he gets signed. Um, but anyway, let's, uh, let's go ahead and move on over to the wide receivers. The big one that we have that we didn't have last week is Golden Tate. He got signed by the New York Giants, and it's a four-year, $37.5 million deal. Honestly, better than I was expecting. That's pretty cheap, considering how good I think Golden Tate is. The problem is that the Giants have only slot receivers, uh, including their running back. 
<laughs> and tight end. <laughs> They're all slot receivers. Like literally it's every so single <laughs> every single skill position player uh is just a short range receiver. So I don't know. What are your thoughts? Do you think this is good at all for him? Here's what I've come to to, to discover about the Giants. The this signing makes perfect sense because the only thing you can expect from them is for them to do things that make no sense. And since this makes no sense, therefore it makes sense. <laughs> if you follow <laughs> me. But yeah, 100%, Golden Tate has obviously been a dominantly slot guy. It's what he does best and almost all that he has done for a very long time. And Sterling Shepard is a big slot guy. Evan Ingram is basically a receiver. And Saquon Barkley is an intermediate receiver. Possibly better than a number of uh, team slot receivers. I, I dare say that the Barkley is their best deep threat right now. <laughs> <laughs> Very much could be. Could be. Um, so, yeah, this I don't think this is good for almost anyone. It's not good for Tate. It's certainly not good for Sterling Shepard. It's not good for Saquon Barkley. The only reason I might say it's a little bit good for Evan Ingram is because of what they didn't bring in by bringing in Tate. If they had brought in more of an outside guy who was a big red zone threat, and there's, they still might certainly draft somebody. We'll see. Um, in fact, I think I saw a mock today that had DK Metcalf going to them, which would be foolishness. But uh, because they haven't done that yet, I think Evan Ingram and, and instead signed Tate to this much money, I think Evan Ingram is the locked-in number one red zone threat for that team. Hmm. So a lot of people kind of said with Odell leaving, Evan Ingram jumped up hugely in value in Dynasty. But then with Golden Tate coming in, it dropped back down. I don't really think it drops back down that much for Ingram. He might get a few less targets, but I think as opposed to a few other receivers that they might have brought in, and we'll see what happens in the draft, like I said, he has a great shot at being an eight-touchdown tight end, which is almost a lock for top six or so. Sure. Uh, you know, you haven't even brought up the uh, the third wide receiver for the Giants. He's a first-round talent, don't you know? Oh, please don't say Corey Coleman. Corey Coleman! He's a oh. giant. Yeah, uh, I almost couldn't even believe it that he was still, like, I didn't know he was on their roster. I completely forgot about that whole chain of events. Um, unbelievable. Their team is a mess right now. They s decided to stick with Eli Manning for one more year for who knows why. Um, they're probably going to draft. Make sense, Kent. They're if probably going to make sense. <laughs> Gettleman, do Gettleman is the worst gm in the league hands down right now i think that's Easily. undisputable um yeah they're 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 garbage fire i think they're gonna be first round pick or excuse me the first overall pick in next year's draft uh which is gonna be in las vegas by the way so that's gonna be fun anyway exciting all right uh i don't believe we talked about him on last episode cole beasley has been signed to the bills four years 29 million dollars does this help your favorite um young quarterback mm. So spicy. Uh, it depends on whether Josh Allen decides that now that he has a great uh, short area threat that he should try using it. Because if he does want to try doing that, Cole Beasley is a competent, obviously, slot receiver, short area guy. Mm -hmm. Having said that, I actually looked into it this past week. Josh Allen had the highest A dot in the entire NFL last oh. year among qualified quarterbacks. I don't doubt so, that for one second, just yeah, knowing what I know about him. We all know he's good at chucking it, but clearly he only therefore wants to chuck it, mm -hmm. and that does not fit it with Cole Beasley's game at all. Now, it does fit with John Brown's game, the other receiver they sign. So I think they're kind of trying to 
you know, balance out their wide receiver core. We will see if Josh Allen figures out how to use it. It's probably better for him than it is for Cole Beasley. Yeah. Just because at least he does have somebody decent there. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I think Cole's, Cole Beasley's season will be somewhere around what he was last season. Uh, pretty frequently used, but almost completely useless in fantasy. Is the, yep. probably the best way I can think to sum that up. So I think he'll be good NFL receiver for the Bills. I think they need to help out Josh Allen. I don't know if they made the right choices for that. Uh, John Brown, Cole Beasley, and Frank Gore isn't exactly um, all stars, but well, I don't know. Frank Gore, he's you know, that's a whole hall hall of fame discussion. Hall but anyway, famer. yeah, exactly. I think so. But uh, I don't know. I think this, yeah, this is pretty good for Josh Allen and kind of nothing for Cole Beasley. Uh, this one was pretty recent and kind of surprising. Uh, Dante Moncrief signed with the Pittsburgh Steelers, two years, nine million dollars. He will be probably the red zone threat that Antonio Brown will not be there for anymore. Or or your or your your guy Vance McDonald. Hmm. Could be yeah. one of those two guys. Uh, this is certainly one of the more interesting ones. It just kind of popped up at the end of free agency, um, and it's probably going to fly largely under the radar. But Dante Moncrief has potential. He has had potential for a while. He's definitely shown flashes, obviously more with the Colts than he did with the Jaguars, but that was the Jaguars and Blake Bortles. So I don't know how much you blame Moncrief for that. Now he's going to go and have Big Ben. He's going to be playing across from Juju. There is James Washington there also, but he didn't look too great last season as a rookie. Obviously, it was his rookie season, so there's still room for him to grow. He's... Also a bit more just of a kind of a speedster deep threat potentially for yeah. them. We'll see. But if Moncrief slides into the secondary role across from Juju, I mean, we saw last year, AB and Juju was like 320 targets combined or something like yeah. that. So there's a lot of targets that Dante Moncrief could soak up. And if he and could potentially say he's having one of the best quarterbacks he's had in a while, because even when he was with the Colts, I think Luck was injured for a one of those last two seasons, if not both. So right, yeah, yeah. He's he's got uh, interesting redraft upside. Maybe in dynasty a little bit less, just because I think James Washington's going to be something at some point. But we'll see. You know, you kind of mentioned that last year it was the Juju and AB show, and I kind of think now that AB is gone, rather than the Steelers trying to replicate that with Juju and James Washington or. Juju and Dante Moncrief, I think it's more likely that it's going to be spread a little bit thinner, um, mm-hmm. especially now that they don't have Le'Veon Bell. You know, obviously they didn't have him last year, but just as a as a concept of their offense and which direction they're going, I think that's going to benefit them a little bit more than trying to focus uh, on Juju and kind of, you know, he's probably going to be in more double coverage than he was previously. I saw uh, some metric about how it was always obviously Antonio Brown drawing all the double coverage, and that's kind of how Juju was able to thrive a little bit in the in the wake of that. So I think spreading around is going to be kind of like that. I think you were right on Dante Moncrief, uh, Moncrief being a good red zone guy. I I just I'm afraid it's going to be hard to predict with him. Um, but again, this is going to be something we'll have to listen in camp for. Um, make sure they don't draft another wide receiver, which they very well could to kind of challenge James Washington uh, into jumping into his role. So, I don't know. As far as Moncrief goes, I'd probably think about him in the teen rounds. I don't know if I'd go any earlier than that. 
at this moment. Yeah, and he also could just very much be a guy who ends up on waivers, largely goes undrafted or gets dropped in the first week or two, but then if you see him have a few games that are solid, might be worth picking up. So just keep an eye on him. Yeah, absolutely. This one came through pretty recently. Randall Cobb was signed by the Cowboys one year, $5 million. Kind of a replacement for Cole Beasley. Uh, that's that's about how I see yep. it. Do you have any other yep. uh, commentary on that? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's almost exactly uh, how I see his projection being for the 2019 season, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, he's he's looked good in the past, but that was very much in the past, and it was with Aaron Rodgers. So going into the Cole Beasley role with Dak Prescott instead, and as old as he is now, which actually is less old than you think. I think he's only 28. But he's still older and also has a lot of wear and has had a, a bit of an injury history. So I'm not super excited about him at all. In fact, I'm less than excited. And, and you know what really <laughs> concerns me with, with Randall Cobb and his talent level is that he really only had one good season with Aaron Rodgers in the yep. eight years that he was there. That shouldn't – I mean, he was he was like the number two for a while uh, before Devontae Adams really stepped up. It was Jordy and then Randall Cobb. And, um, you know, they had a few guys before that too, but – he had the opportunity, every opportunity in the world, to step up into that offense. He didn't really get it done. I don't see going to Dallas being an upgrade in any way, shape, or form for him for fantasy purposes. So I think it's good for Dak. I, you know, kind of similar to Beasley helping out Allen. I think that Randall Cobb helps out Dak. I think Dak is a good option this year. Uh, you know, based on everything that he's got in his toolkit. But pretty much, again, I don't know if I even want to draft Randall Cobb. Agreed. Uh, let's talk about another. Actually, we got two more slot receivers. Tons of slot receivers to talk about here today. Uh, Jamison Crowder went over to the Jets. Three years, $28.5 million. Pretty good payday for him, all things considered. He did pretty successfully in Washington, uh, considering he was kind of, you know, he's a small guy. He doesn't have a, an elite athletic profile, uh, but he was just getting the job done there. And I think that he could kind of step into that kind of similar role for the Jets and help out Sam Darnold, and he desperately needs it. Um, so I don't know. What are your thoughts on Crowder here and, and how the receiving options shake out in New York? Yeah. So he's had, he, he missed quite a few games last year, seven games he missed. So he, he played in nine. Um, but, and it feels like he's missed more in his career. I'm looking at his logs and he only missed one game before last season, but it just feels like he's maybe been kind of hampered for a lot of that period. I might have to go back and look through through all of his his game logs and injury report history, but in any case, if he can stay healthy, he is very competent. I would say probably a little bit better than very competent, whatever that means. I think yeah. he's one of the better slot receivers, um, and he has not had exceptional quarterback play necessarily. Uh, I'm not 100% sure how exceptional Sam Darnold is yet, but I think he's I think he's solid or can be solid. So I think that, and, and we saw last year in the beginning of the season, Quincy and Nunwa playing in the slot, getting peppered by Darnold and being really useful for fantasy. And then he got hurt. And then they never really figured out their slot from there. So if Darnold continues that kind of slot-focused uh, style this season, Crowder could have a really good year for fantasy. So I'm, I'm pretty interested in him. Yeah, and you know, it, it was kind of hard to notice, but Sam Darnold down the stretch was a little bit better in terms of like kind of his accuracy issues and stuff like that. It didn't really pop up on the like the fantasy radar. 
Um, but he kind of refined a lot of his tools in a way that that didn't really get picked up by a lot of people. So I think there's still a lot of potential for Darnold out there, and I think that this Jets team needs to get built back up a little bit. Having Bell there helps him out, and uh, having James Crowder is going to help him out. Robbie Anderson is a terrific wide receiver. I'm going to be looking at him very high in drafts this next year. And then I think that Inunua is a, is very reliable as well as kind of a pseudo uh, wide receiver tight end. And then even the tight end himself, Chris Herndon, uh, showed a lot of promise. He he was just a rookie last year, right? Is that yeah, I believe he right. was. He was kind of a later round guy, but he he kind of showed out pretty well. So there's there's a lot of potential on this offense, and uh, if they can look at kind of shaping up their O line with the draft a little bit here, I think they could be pretty solid. So we'll keep an eye on them. Danny Amendola is our last slot receiver. He signed with the Lions one year, $4.5 million, kind of hopefully replacing the Tate. Key key to that offense, I should say, because they really fell apart without Golden Tate there. Uh, would you agree with that? Yes, that was a hot mess. It like <laughs> Matthew Stafford didn't know how to play quarterback anymore without his, his boy. Yeah. Um, and shocker of all shockers, it's a former Patriot, a guy known as a Patriot, yep. obviously more than a Dolphin. So there you go. The Lions again trying to go out and find a Patriot slot receiver. This is he's not going to be what Golden Tate was. He's never been really that good, honestly in my opinion. Yeah, he's okay. Uh, Tom Brady elevated him for a few years in New England. So maybe Stafford maybe it helps Stafford a tiny bit, but I don't think it really even does that much and I don't see much value at all for Amendola. Yeah, I mean, Amendola wasn't even going for 10 yards per reception last year. He's, you know, very strictly slot catch and fall down guy, uh, which he's actually good at that. I mean, he had a 75% catch rate last year, so that's very solid, and, and you like having that, and I think that should help out Stafford. But once again, I don't know if I'm interested in rostering uh, Amendola. He's probably going to be a waiver guy. He's going to be 34 years old. Um, yeah, it's not going to be flashy, so... Yeah, and what Golden Tate does that goes sometimes missed when you just kind of lump him with the other slot receivers is he catches that ball at the same depth of target as all these other guys, but then he has the best, some of the best yards after catch ability in the entire NFL, and he takes it for actually useful games. Yep, yep, mm-hmm. that's right. So Amadola definitely lacks that, but anyway, a couple of remaining guys. Um, I don't know. There's not a lot here, but Michael Crabtree, Demarius Thomas, Jordy Nelson now, all free agents. Um, can any of them? All old geezers. <laughs> they're all old geezers. I mean, seriously, those were the best names on the list. Even the younger guys were all just kind of uh, kind of flyers at best. I didn't find anything really interesting out there. So, um, oh, Man. I mean, like we said, we touched on before, if Jordy Nelson goes to the Seahawks, that's kind of interesting. Um, if he goes anywhere that is desperate for a receiver, like maybe the Redskins, I guess I might have a little bit of interest, but not that much. Crabtree, when we talked about him pre-free agency, I, I said that I kind of wanted to see him go to the Patriots, and they still have not added an outside guy. They added some slot guys like Bruce Ellington, but they have not added an outside guy or a red zone threat, or by the way, a tight end, which if you lead to Read the tea leaves makes me think that Gronk's coming back for a year, but yeah, that's another story. I think yeah, uh, I, yeah. So if one of these guys gets signed by the Patriots to be an outside guy, or maybe if Jordy goes to the Seahawks, they might have some slight value, but it's not great. Yep, they're all super old. Uh, they should all be put in a home. No, I'm just kidding. Um, 
All right, and then before we wrap up the show, we'll get to, a, a, once again, our favorite section, the tight ends. Um, actually, there's some mm. kind of interesting news this time compared to last uh, segment, but Jared Cook, question mark, is close to a deal with the Saints? Like, that came out, was it yesterday, two days ago? And then it, uh, yeah, I think it was yesterday. just yesterday, and it never really finalized. I was expecting, like, the final contract announcement, uh, and it never came through. But I think we kind of agreed that Jared Cook to the Saints would be a great fit for all parties. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and assume that he's going there. Yeah, uh, there's. I'm looking right now. There's still nothing at, at all official. There's speculation that it's a multi-year deal, which is not surprising. Um, but we don't know the money. But yeah, it's great. It's great for pretty much, pretty much everyone. I would say certainly good for Jared Cook, who obviously had a great season with the Raiders. There's no way you can say that this isn't an upgrade for him in fantasy to go from Carr to oh, Drew Brees. Yeah, absolutely. From that offense to New Orleans, um, so that's great. It's good for uh, Brees himself. He gets a competent tight end, maybe one of the more competent tight ends he's had in a long time. And I don't think it really hurts their receivers too much. So this is an all-around good signing, assuming it happens. Yeah, and I, ass- I assume it will. I What I think they're going to do is they're going to sign Jared Cook for a team-friendly deal. Um, and then they're going to draft one of the top probably 10 tight ends in this class. It's a very good tight end class. I think they're going to want to groom one for you know eventually when Teddy takes over or, or something of that nature. So it kind of is a good a good transition period from Jared Cook into the new tight end, give him a couple of years to kind of get up to speed. Uh, that's what I expect them to do. So, But for 2019, I think if Jared Cook is a saint, he is going to be fantasy relevant because the tight end position is a landscape. Or excuse me, no, it's a, it's a hellscape. <laughs> yeah, I, I needed to be specific about which landscape it was. It's a hellscape. It's terrible. It's a bad landscape. Yeah, really uh, bad. What What is your knee-jerk ranking for Cook among tight ends? Uh, I mean, probably like in, you know, it's gotta be like seven, eight, nine, ten, somewhere in there, you know, seven, Depe- eight was exactly the numbers in my head, largely dependent on, and I know we always say don't touch rookie tight ends, but this year I think is one year where there could be a rookie tight end that, or two that jump up in my rankings. So we will see, but he's somewhere in that, that end of the 10 range. Um, let's see. Did we talk about no? Okay, so Tyler Eifert he got re-signed by the Bengals, one year, four million dollars. Yeah, that's a good signing. You kind of said it last uh, episode, right? Yeah, I I'm excited about this, Tyler Eifert. So this is definitely more of a a bets, obviously explanation type thing. But without him here, I'll try to give the briefest thing I can, which is that Tyler Eifert's injury history, which is famed. Kind of reminds me a little bit more of Keenan Allen's in the sense that they've been a little bit more freakish injuries as opposed to like nagging recurring things that hold him out constantly. He he gets these big injuries that knock him out for the full season. So I'm a little bit hopeful that he can get healthy. They gave him a one-year prove-it deal. If he can't get healthy this year, I think he's gone. But if he can, he is certainly one of the better tight end talents in the league and for fantasy. If he plays 16 games, I think he's a top five tight end. So hmm. we'll see. We'll see how that pans out. We'll see how healthy he is when the season comes around. But I think he's worth a late round grab. Certainly, if you want to try streaming tight ends, he's a good one to start with. 100. percent People are going to be really jaded uh, against him because of his injury history, and he could come at a discount because of that. 
That being said, I am very afraid of his injury history. So, yeah, uh, yeah it'll it's be some, large. Yeah, he's going to be at that tail end too, and I think he could be a good grab. But a couple of quick guys here we could talk about. Um, but did we talk about Tyler Croft? I can honestly not remember. I think we did actually, and I didn't cross him. Uh, off. If we didn't, or if we did, we've forgotten because it. <laughs> It's Tyler Croft yeah. to the Bills. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty... Uh, b- b- bam, bam. Anyway, it's a three-year, $18.75 million. So he got paid pretty well. Um, I think he's fine when he plays. Uh, I've seen... Yeah, I, do, Are you familiar with Joe Goodberry? He's an athletic writer for the Bengals on Twitter. Yeah, he's super knowledgeable for the Bengals, and he, he really likes Croft. So I think it's a good signing for the Bills because they lost Charles Clay. Yeah, I seem to remember saying this. So this yes, is starting to sound like... Familiar. This sounds like deja vu. Um, so we won't spend a lot of time on it. Jesse James got signed to the Lions on the worst contract of the free agency period. Four years, <laughs> $22.6 million for little old Jesse James. I I honestly, I can't believe it. I think this is a terrible signing. Yep. <laughs> it's a, like he is nothing special. He's okay. Um, he's never been really flashy. He's probably a decent blocker, you know, but... I don't think there was any reason to pay him this much money for four years. Yeah, the Lions might be headed straight towards the bottom of the league at this rate because we're going to need some teams to you know fill in for the Browns and the Jets. Yep, as just those yearly awful teams. And right now, the Lions, I think they're making their way in so, that direction. Hey, someone's got to be on the bottom, right? Yep, that's how it works. Um, so I am, at, I am the Giants. Not at all interested in Jesse James at this moment. Um, but I thought this one was interesting. Jeff Hoyerman, uh, back to the Broncos, two years, $9 million. We kind of saw some intriguing weeks out of him kind of, that was more middle season, right? Cause didn't he get injured as well? If I'm yes. remembering correctly, that's yep. off the top of my head. So, that sounds um, right. I think he could have some potential there. There's also the now, what is it? Sophomore receiver, Jake, or excuse me, sophomore, uh, tight end, Jake, tight Butt. End. Uh, I think, I think this is going to be his third season. Is it, is and he's missed third? out on both of his previous ones with injuries, but okay, not 100% on that. Yeah, so they still have him, but I think Hoyerman got enough money here to kind of show that he's their tight end one. And then last but not least, Geoff's, or, why do I always want to say Geoff? Jeff, Jeff Swain uh, got Geoff? signed. Yeah, I don't know. This is what it looks like to me. But anyway, he got signed by the Jaguars. Two years, $6.6 million. Um, Austin's Ferry and Jenkins is gone. You know, they got Nick Foles now. Um, I don't know. He kind of had an okay season uh, in a mess of tight ends before Jason Witten returned to the Cowboys. Um, he could have some potential here. I, I'm, it's kind of a, like a late round intrigue, like a real punt tight end type option for me at this point in time. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I think he's definitely more of a dynasty grab than a redraft guy. I doubt he's really draftable in redraft. No, maybe prob- at the very end. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm well, not not super interested. I will circle back really quick on the Broncos. Two sure. things. Number yeah. one, you were right. It, it's but sophomore year. He had an ACL coming into his first season, so that's what I was thinking of because he's had two ACL sure. injuries. He has a lot of potential. The one thing I'll say is for this year, Flacco, their new quarterback, has loved tight ends for a long time in Baltimore. So... And they don't have like a great or certainly established wide receiver core. They've got Cortland Sutton. They've got Deshaun Hamilton, who doesn't like Game of Thrones. So you throw him right out the window. Well, they brought they brought Emmanuel <laughs> Sanders back. Uh, 
is he going to be able to run on that Achilles? Uh, maybe. Slowly. Yeah. We'll it's still see. Emmanuel we'll Sanders. Um, I'm pretty sure Betts would tell you that old people coming back on Achilles is almost a death knoll. But Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with their receiving core, but I think that one of whoever is playing tight end for the Broncos is going to end up a tight end one. It may not be pretty, but <laughs> no back end of tight end ones are, are pretty anyways. So. Are any tight end performances pretty, Okada? Not, Let's be honest with really. ourselves. Yes. Um, all right. Well, let, tell you what, that's going to go ahead and wrap up section number two of the free agency frenzy period we will be back next episode giving you our winners and losers we can also maybe talk about a little bit of draft needs for every team something like that i want to kind of get into the draft swing of things as i'm a big fan of it as i know most of you are if you're listening at this time of the year so um yeah okada how about you give our our website a shout out what do you got for us yeah we got uh, we got all kinds of stuff going on on our website, RetroidsFantasyFootball.com. Articles coming out willy-nilly. We've got a great little crew of writers that are churning out good stuff, especially for Dynasty. Uh, so if, you, if you're if you getting into Dynasty, uh, we've got some good stuff to kind of get you started or kicked off. Um, or if you're deep into it, we've got, we've got uh, kind of profiles coming out. So check out RetroidsFantasyFootball.com. That will be uh, that'll be a good resource for you guys for the entire offseason, I think. Yeah, we've got our rankings up there. We'll be looking to update those semi-frequently. I know it's the offseason, so if they're not updated every day, just you know, give us a little break. We'll, we'll get some good uh, rankings up there as the big events happen and let you guys know how we're feeling about players in uh, all sorts of formats. So go ahead and check that out. Uh, I want to thank you for listening to this episode here in the offseason. We're uh, starting to get towards the the fun stuff. Once the draft comes through, we can really start theory crafting these teams and getting a feel for how we want you know these fantasy projections to work. So I'm really excited for it. Um, thank you, as always, for being here, being one of the Red Shirts listeners. So uh, we'll see you next time talking about the winners and losers of free agency. And once again, we are the Red Shirts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com.